0: C-Sweet and Sour, powered by Align, the podcast where we talk about the sweet and not so sweet sides of leadership. Okay.
1: Hi everyone. And welcome back to another episode of Sea sweet and Sour. I am very, very privileged and, and humbled and very, very happy to host today, Andrea Sampson. Andrea, how are you today?
0: I'm fantastic, Philip. I'm looking forward to our conversation.
1: Yes, it'll definitely be conversation. No usual Q and A stuff. That's not what we do here. As the CEO and founder of Talk Boutique, Andrea offers her expertise as an executive thought leader coach to senior leaders and professional speakers around the world. With over 20 years of experience as as a senior leader in marketing and advertising, Andrea has honed her ability to deliver talks and presentations that create a lasting impact on her audiences. Drawing on her background as a TEDx speakers coach and her extensive work in technical and science-based disciplines, Andrea specializes in making complex topics accessible while preserving their credibility and distinctiveness. Tell us a little about yourself and how you kind of discovered the power of storytelling.
0: Sure. So I spent most of my career probably the first 25 years working in advertising and marketing. Um, I worked for some of the largest agency networks in the world on some of the world's most recognizable brands. And I started off um, as many people do working in um, sort of the, you know, sort of the more the service-based side of the business, but I eventually moved into planning and strategy. And in that role, um, my job was to create connections, really, between the brands that we worked for and the consumers who were buying the, the products and services from those brands. So I mm-hmm. needed to understand consumer behavior, human behavior. And in doing so, I really needed to understand how to tell stories that motivated, it, because that was a big part of my job. What I was doing was identifying what we in the agency and marketing world called uh, key insights, and those insights um, acted as the foundation or the underpinnings for the creatives that you would see in the market, whether it be TV advertising or billboards or radio or digital ads or whatever it might be. So my job was to come up with those insights and then tell the story in such a way that it inspired our creatives to then develop and write a creative um, creative that we would see in the world
1: how does one approach uh, creating um, just the whole plan to to do something on TV? You know,
0: whenever I was, when I was working as a a planner and a strategist, you know, the first thing we would do would take a really big step backwards and we'd say, okay, well, first of all, who's the audience Um, Mm -hmm. and what, you know, how does the audience actually um, interact with brands? You know, I remember Mm -hmm. many, many years ago, I was working in the automotive industry. So working on a a luxury automotive brand and um, they were- You can brag
1: about them. You can brag, you can (laughs) say who it is if you're allowed to, go ahead.
0: Yeah, I think it was it, it. was either Lexus or BMW. I can't remember. I had okay. I worked on both, but one okay. of um, one of the uh, uh, one of the things that happened we did some research and um, and they were launching they were launching a certain uh, vehicle, very high end vehicle aimed at you know CEOs likely, um, mm-hmm. and the question was you know do we go on T? And what came back was no do not go on tv they do not watch tv they don't watch advertisements the wrong place to be and so we made the choice of being in um in airports being in airport magazines being um because they traveled and so if you want to get a certain demographic um you've got to look at the psychographic profile the psychographics are what it is that um, that person does, and what's specific to um, that group of people, and so so we made a choice to for to never be on TV with that particular brand. Um, you know they they were for some of their other brands they were like you know when you look at yeah. this, the models within, but that particular one um, we launched it completely without TV, and it was highly highly successful because of that. And so um, so so the first question is who's your consumer? Um, What Mm -hmm. are their habits? What are their media habits? I mean, today TV is probably one of the things I would not, I would, it's probably one of the least amount of things that I would look at Um, because so few people are watching traditional TV anymore. You know, the question of doing video, now that's a different question um, Mm -hmm. because things like uh, YouTube, highly influential Mm -hmm. in this point, Um, doing ads on, on Instagram and even TikTok, depending on who you are. So you know, where it used to be that, you know, brands would spell and spend literally millions and millions of dollars just in the creation of the ad, not to mm-hmm. mention the actual purchase of the ad space, um, Today, you're seeing it really shift into a much more accessible. So you can be a small brand and be, you know, use your 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 cell phone camera and create a video that would literally be way more effective than, you know, a million dollar TV ad. So so it really comes down to who is that consumer and what are their media habits.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing I'm seeing a lot of that 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 trend. Unless you have like. I'm just going to say a few money unless, <laughs> unless you have like yeah. that kind of money um I I don't I don't see like and you know just saying okay let's do a Super Bowl ad where it's it, it's in, you know you know that there's so many eyes there I, I don't I don't see I don't see why like I see maybe if 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 you know for again like I said sports events and anything related to sports events uh that I understand but just random shows and just having like I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of like, well, the last time I actually
0: watched TV, like traditional TV, yeah, cable TV. I don't remember. I don't. I, don't. I actually don't have traditional TV. Do I. I don't even have it anymore. You know, like, and, and I think that we're the, you know, we're, we're the, I, and look, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not, you know, one of the, the Gen Zs or the millennials, right? I'm a Gen Xer and I got rid of TV, God, 10 years ago um because yeah. I, wh- yeah. why would i watch it it's crazy i've got a smart tv i get access to all the apps um, if I'm going to sit down yeah. and watch TV, it's going to be something I choose, not something that I have to, you know, sit and, and wait for to show up. Uh, when am I going to be in front of my TV? It's to my, it's on my schedule, not me on theirs. And I think that's, you know, one of the biggest shifts in, from a media habit standpoint is that mm-hmm. the consumer is much more control than, than they ever have been in terms of what they consume. And so like, even when yeah. you talk about, um, you know, um, sports events and advertising, I think what you're seeing in many, many brands have moved this way is that it's really about being embedded inside of the the event versus having a, a tv spot that's sort of around it Now, not to say that they're not still doing those types of tv spots of course they are but yes. i think they're seeing the power of sponsorships the, the power of experiential marketing these are places where brands are spending much more money and are paying much yeah. more attention and are quite frankly getting better returns hey c sweet and sour listeners it's Haley here from align I hope you're enjoying this episode. I just wanted to jump in with some exciting news. We have a new limited time promotion for listeners. You can get 10% off your first year of the Align software with the promo code Not Sour 10 Align is a strategic planning and execution management software designed to help businesses achieve their goals faster. To get started, go to aligntoday.com demo and complete the form to book your demo today. Again, the code is Not Sour 10 Now back to the episode.
1: Yeah. And it's also slightly easier, not slightly, but it's easier to see them as well. Um, There is uh, an attribution issue when it comes to digital nowadays. Uh, It's not as easy with all the privacy laws, all the, the, you know, the, the, the browser privacy, browser privacy and all that. So, but, but still there it's, it's, it's still a little bit easier uh, if not a lot easier uh, digitally to figure out what your ROI is rather than, um, you know, on TV, there's no, there's no follow through at all. There's absolutely totally. no, there's zero attribution. It's just, you know, halo Mary's, right?
0: Sure. Well, it, in yeah. you know, back in the day we used, you know, it was the halo effect of of brand advertising, right? And I think that's the thing that when digital came out, and I remember when the switch to digital happened, and it was one of the biggest challenges for brand advertising because suddenly you went from no no ability to attribute um, impact to full ability Mm -hmm. to attribute impact. And of course, we had a swinging of the pendulum as we as humans do. We like to go Mm -hmm. to the extremes, right? And so suddenly, you know, we saw advertisers, you know, putting tons of money into digital because, hey, I can track my digital spend. The problem was that there is actually an impact of brand advertising. So it isn't um, you know, let's move from, you know, full, full on attributable media to, uh, from fully unattributable media, but it's understanding the role of both. And in doing mm-hmm. that by when, when you understand how to actually bring the two together, you know, I, I, started my career in advertising, working on the direct marketing side. So we did a lot of work and, you know, back in the day doing literally, you know, you know, e- like actual mail. To mail, like mail snail mail, you know, hundreds of thousands of pieces of mail in the system. And what we would always do, you know, because we knew it to be true is that we would do a brand advertising campaign first because it would give us a lift. So we would, we would run the, the brand, um, the brand piece first, and we would start if we had the money for it, TV. um, And then we would move to radio, which was highly effective in, um, what we would call warming the doorstep for direct mail, um, because they would get the mail opened. Now today, of course, we've got email and we run into a whole different lens, you know, situation because you yeah. can't warm yeah. the doorstep of email because email is, people are so flooded. And so, um, it's a challenge, but it's a, you know, marketing is a different world today than it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago.
1: It definitely is. And, 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 there's something that, um, uh, um, I'm trying to remember, uh, what's his first name? Um, Ter- Terry, O'Reilly? Terry, Riley. Terry O'Reilly, Terry O'Reilly, Terry yeah. O'Reilly. Yes. He Love is Terry he's O'Reilly, probably yeah. one of the, yes, he's, he has, uh, I, 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 rec- I, am oh, a while ago, um, uh, about, I don't know, maybe five, five years ago, six, five years ago, plus minus, uh, I read his book, uh, "This I Know," and one mm-hmm. of the things that t- Terry always talked about was how how um, effective radio is. Now he is biased
0: <laughs> because yeah, that's
1: yeah. yeah. I worked yeah. with
0: Terry O'Reilly many times at at Lonesome Pine um, Pirate Radio Studios, right? It, they, like his stuff was great, and and yeah. and but radio, honestly, I was a big fan of radio. I loved doing radio. Partly it was a blast to to sit in the studio and work with the actors but yeah but actually more importantly because you could actually speak so intimately to your consumer right you know we used to call it the theater of the mind and so you know you could create this connection to your consumer by you know cre- using words and it was painting stories that's what you mm-hmm. were really doing and mm-hmm. i you know when i worked in advertising And it's, it's interesting because your, your very first question to me was, you know, where did you learn to be a storyteller? And while I did a lot of storytelling in advertising, I wouldn't say that's where I learned to be a storyteller. I think I learned Mm -hmm. a lot of the techniques of storytelling, but it was my time working in TED, TEDx Toronto specifically, where I really started to learn the art of storytelling and really getting inside of what it meant to tell an effective story.
1: Do you think that the CEO should be responsible, should be the face always?
0: Again, it's like, you know, I think this, I think the, the visionary because CEOs aren't necessarily the visionaries, right? Okay. They can, cause a CEO can be hired. Um, mm-hmm. who's the visionary, And so the visionary is the person that holds not only the vision, but the passion. And the person who is going to be the face of any brand has to be passionate about the purpose for that brand. Why do you do the thing you do? And, you know, it can't be because we're making money. That's, yeah, not that's not the reason yeah. anyone is going to buy anything. And this is part of part of the problem, you know, when we look at titles versus roles, um, you know, the title CEO, well, my job might be to make sure that the, sh- and, and often is to make sure the shareholders are making money. And mm-hmm. so should that person be the one out there um, conveying the, you know, the, 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 the brand? or should it be the person maybe you've got an innovation chief innovation officer who is passionate about what you're doing and deeply connected to the vision well that person if that's true that's probably the better person to be representing that brand you know if you're a smaller company you know like my company talk boutique we you know we we are a purpose driven company and it's my vision And the vision is really about co-creating a better future. So Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I'm, you know, I'm the one who can talk about that. I'm the CEO. I can talk about it, but it's not because I'm the CEO. It's because I'm the visionary.
1: How important it is you feel to find somebody else who's a partner that can be that visionary.
0: Every company needs a visionary. Yeah, Every company does. And, you know, as a founder, um, you know, I, I work. We work with a system called EOS. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Um, EOS stands for yes. Entrepreneurial Operating System. And yes, so yes, when, yes. and when, so when I first started the company, I had a partner, and mm-hmm. um, and we went through the EOS system. And in EOS, it says that you need to have um, the the CEO. And you need to have what's called an integrator. And those are two very, very different roles. The CEO mm-hmm. plays the role of the visionary, plays the role of the rainmaker, play, you know, bringing, bringing um, sort of people in. And the integrator plays the role of the internal, um, the the internal manager um, and the keeper of the sort of the execution of the vision or the translation of the vision to the, mm-hmm. to be able to activate it. And, mm-hmm. One of the challenges that we had, because I had a business partner, was which one of us is the visionary and which one of us is the integrator? And it became clear pretty early on that my business partner had no ability to be an in- integrator. That was not something that he could do. But mm-hmm. from a visionary standpoint, I held so much of the vision, so much of the what, why we created Talk Boutique was my idea, was my vision. And Mm -hmm. so we struggled and we eventually had to end the partnership because what became very, very clear is that, and it wasn't just because of EOS, but EOS actually helped us to really see where the rift in the division was, is that um, when, when we started the business together, we both came in with a vision that was similar, but it wasn't the same. Mm -hmm. and, and, the, the slight difference became very, very clear as we became more and more successful. And quite frankly, the biggest difference was my vision was to create a better future. And by doing that, we can make some money. So to put it in really simple, simple terms, right? So yeah, that's sure. my vision was was all about purpose first, money second. His was the opposite. He wanted yeah, to fund his life yeah. and help, help others. There's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with either of our visions. The issue was that when your come from place has to be the same. And so I wasn't trusting him. He wasn't trusting me because our come from place was quite frankly different. And so that visionary, that CEO visionary, I couldn't let him be that because for me, purpose was so important. And, And it is really at the end of the day what caused us to have to take a step back and and eventually I ended the partnership and took over the business and so you <laughs> know when you say you know it, it, is it important that the CEO be the visionary well yes in many ways um, but but if if the CEO isn't that visionary then it has to be somebody who's connected deeply to the CEO or the found and let me actually let me reflect that to the founder. Because sure. I think the founder, the founder is always the person. You know, and the founder isn't always the CEO. In Correct. many businesses, Correct. you know, like gosh, entrepreneurs, we're terrible at at managing. Right. That's actually not our forte. Right? Yeah, Our job yeah. We're like the big picture thinkers. Like we, we like to get in and get it, you know, get it started. And then when you have to manage it and keep it going, that's tough. And so you see many founders step into different roles in an organization.
1: 90% of businesses fail. 10% don't. Here's why. Plans fail when you don't have the right systems and software in place. This is why we built Align, a strategic growth management software that allows you to share real-time updates and eliminate miscommunication. Align is an easy-to-use, cloud-based software with features like daily huddles, KPI dashboards, software integrations, and so much more. You can see your company's priorities, critical numbers, goals and tasks while holding everyone accountable, and all this in the palm of your hand with our mobile app. So what are your next steps? It's simple. Learn more about Align by requesting a demo at aligntoday.com. Let us make sure we land you in that 10%. Align. Achieve big goals faster. Yeah. Was there no compromise between you two? Could you not have figured it out?
0: Yeah, you know... (sighs) There were many challenges, but I mean, the the vision was probably one of the biggest ones, but I think another, there was a lot of, of dynamics at the end of the day. um, You know, when I started the company as a person, I was stepping into my own voice. Um, I was Mm -hmm. learning, you know, I, I, I came into the business, um, you know, as a pretty successful person in advertising but always being a little more behind the scenes, right? I was a planner. I was a strategist. I, I did lots of research. I did, I would, I would present all the time, but I was not the center stage person. And mm-hmm. my business partner was, he was a person who loved being center stage, which seemed like the perfect marriage Given that we opened a business that was event driven and around helping people to, um, you know, sort of build their thought leadership. And so Mm -hmm. as the business started to grow, what happened was I started to find my own voice and I started to understand my own vision better and better. And I started getting asked to be center stage and and I needed to be. And it was Mm -hmm. a place that my business partner really did not want to share he loved being center stage. There was also a male female, um, you know, dynamic going on of, you know, me in the background and him in the forefront. And that was the thing that broke us. I think we probably could have found a way around um, the vision. Although I think it would have gotten harder and harder over time. I think the, um, the personal dynamic between the two of us um, just got really difficult to manage. And I knew, you know, we actually had mediation and I, and it was in the mediation where, um, where he made a, he made a comment to me that just, I couldn't, I couldn't get over. I mean, he, he, okay. he said to me that I took up too much space in the room. And that was, wow. that was, that was something that I, I just realized that there's no getting around that. Cause I'm not going to make myself right. smaller
1: no 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 and you shouldn't either it's um if anything the the right response to that would like if you do take up a lot of like a lot of room in a room that should be a good thing you should be proud that you have a part that's doing that that that, yeah it's it's yeah i can see where that's coming from um yeah i can see where why why there's no compromise there that's definitely a a flag for me as well we've done a few of these already and uh one of the things Things that I mentioned, you know, a business isn't necessarily a family, although the relationships are very close to like family types of relationships. And you were, you know, you were the work wife and work husband. That was, it was that kind of style. And, and sometimes uh, marriages don't work.
0: That's, and, that's, that's <laughs> and that's it you know and I think yeah know, I think it's a I think it's a really good point because if I go back and you know again no shade on him at all like he's a good person yeah. he had he had good you know and he does good work in the world even today but what yeah. I you know what I think as I look back and say what could we have done differently and I think we both jumped into the business together um without really really getting to know each other well enough and mm-hmm. and And I think also, you know, on my own path, I was, you know, I, I think I, I jumped into that partnership for the wrong reasons, because I think I was still very much in a, in a, you know, a place of imposter syndrome, not thinking that I could actually Mm be an entrepreneur. Cause it was my first mm-hmm. for a really into entrepreneurship while I'd had, I'd freelanced many times and I had sort of a virtual agency for a little while. I never really considered them, you know, entre- I never considered myself an entrepreneur. It was just kind of the way I made money. I would, you know, whatever I needed to do. And he had been a multi-time entrepreneur. And so I was Mm -hmm. sort of like, okay, well, you know, this seems all seems good. Right. And so it was for the wrong reasons. And I wasn't being authentic, you know, because in the reality was if I had have been truly in my heart of hearts, true to myself, I think I would have seen that I, I didn't need a partner. I could have done it on my own. Um, and, and so, you know, five years on, it starts to fall apart because it's, you know, and, I, and, and I'll take that, you know, that is, that's on me.
1: I, 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 I think you should look at it in a positive way. Like, I think you should look at the silver lining here. The fact that you've reached this conclusion right now wouldn't have happened if it didn't totally. happen, right? So, oh, like, again.
0: So, yeah. so much, you know, like, I, I mean, I took over the business literally three days before mm-hmm. the hit. And (laughs) um, yeah, yeah, that was, we signed all the paperwork and then, you know, but, but what was interesting about that for me and the three years that have, you know, that have ensued since as hard as it has been. And I cannot tell you how difficult these past three years have been for me, but what I can say is that the growth that I have had, the ability to see myself through a new, through new eyes and what I'm capable of now, I wouldn't mm-hmm. trade that for anything. You know, it's, it's hard, you know, there are times when I'm like, oh, well, might've chosen a different, you know, an easier path, but look, I think that's what, that's how growth is. It, it It's uncomfortable and, and sometimes it's yeah. damn right painful, but that's how we learn and that's how we
1: grow. You have to remind yourself in those situations to to keep going. Otherwise, you're just going to turn into a ball and just be stuck in a corner. And that's something that you can't do if you want to succeed in life, period.
0: Yep. Well, you know, and I think for so many of us, we have all had to learn that and then relearn it and then relearn it. You know, that the reality is there is always a tomorrow, yes. you know, the sun doesn't always come up. Um, and in the moment it can feel like the world is ending, but it's not, it's not ending. And I think this is, you know, I, I often say, you know, like, I, 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 I say this a lot. Life is long. We have a lot of opportunities. And, and so we have to remember that, that, um, this moment is just that it's just a moment. We're going to get through it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I'd I'd a tough, I'm I'm having a a tough couple of months. I have a newborn and and, uh, every, yeah, this is the third one too. Wow. And every, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, I, I remind myself that it's, it's, it's only going to get better. Even if it does get a little bit worse in, in, in like the near future, it's going to get better. She's going to grow up. Yeah, the other kids are going to oh, deal with yeah. it. It's going to be a, you know, a character building. Uh, it's going to be more character building for them rather than anything else. I just have to remind, like, I have to constantly remind myself that. Yeah. And it's sometimes it feels like it's overwhelming, but again, yeah. as you mentioned, just got to breathe,
0: you know, I, through. <laughs> I, I, I hear you. I think I, it, what I think is so interesting about this point in time and every one of us are, are experiencing it differently. You with three little ones, that is tough. That is, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got a big job, you've got three little ones, you've got a family, you've got all kinds of responsibilities. And for many of us, we're all experiencing this moment in time through lenses that aren't ideal. Um, Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the pandemic has really changed us as a human collective. And so what, what used to be manageable just isn't manageable anymore. We can't go back to the way things were that just isn't possible. And Mm -hmm. we don't have a blueprint or a roadmap for where we're going or what it looks like. So we're all kind of traversing these paths and roads differently. And, I think we need to find those support tools. And for me, I, I look to a lot of, um, Sort of, uh, sort of mindfulness practices, which is I think what many of us are, and and so yeah. I, I I subscribe to Insight Timer, and this this past week has been incredibly incredibly challenging mm-hmm. for us in our business as we've been launching a new product and trying to you know sort of invest in it to the degree that we possibly can, you know, with a challenged you know bottom line and all the things that happen inside of. Of businesses that are trying to grow and scale, mm-hmm. and um, and and so and as the CEO, of course, it's me who manages it. Um, and so I found myself kind of at a point of like, oh my God, how do I how do I get through this? Because yes, I know this is only a moment, but it's a moment that feels big and heavy and and unmanageable in this moment. And I found this great on Insight Timer, which I subscribe to, which I think is a fantastic tool. I found, um, they were doing this 15 day or something like that stress challenge. Um, Mm. and it was all of these every day. It's a different teacher who gives you a little, um, a little insight into how to manage your stress. And, um, I think it was on day two or day three, the particular expert had the, um, advice of reframing worry. Like, you know, we're all anxious, right? Anxiety is fear of the future. And that's that's actually the definition of anxiety, and um, yeah. and so, um, and so when we worry, we put ourselves into an anxious state. And well, how do you how do you counter that? And this particular expert um, said, well, what if, rather than going to worry, because worry is an easy place to go to, but what if you went to curiosity, and what if you mm-hmm. went from the feeling like that feeling of oh my god to I wonder what, and it was such a big shift for me. And I started doing that. Like every time I could feel that worry coming up, I, instead of saying, you know, like I, I, you know, oh, there, another bill came in and oh my God, how are we going to pay that bill? It was, I wonder how we're going to pay that bill. And it was just such an interesting way of like inviting something and it shifted me. And so I think finding those little things that help you actually the one today was fabulous. And it was all about, um, the three bounce chuckle. And it was really, it was, um, uh, it's, it's a, a way of tricking your body into getting the endorphins that Mm -hmm. we get from a good belly laugh. And, um, and it, and it literally is just a breathing techniques that gets you there. So I, I encourage you, if you, if you don't have Insight time or download the app, it's great, but look for that one. You y- y- might help you in, in those moments when you get to close the door and go, you know what? I gotta, you know, I need the world to go away for a moment. Have a look at, have a look at that. There's some great insight there. Until now
1: I've th- stress for me, like I know stress is important, but like there's certain levels of stress, right? If there's too much oh, stress. Yeah. So I just. Instead of, instead of just thinking about levels of stress, I'm saying, when I start getting stressed, I'm like, this is actually good for me. It's getting my, 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 my blood pumping. It's getting me ready to, to, to act, right. Not fight necessarily, right. but to act. And that has helped me a lot in the last week. Cause when I, I think I saw something last week. I don't remember exactly when that has helped me a lot to realize, okay, wait a second. This stress is not going to make me feel worse. It's going to make, it's going to make me feel like it's, it's, it's setting up to get better. Um, yeah, and,
0: yeah I, and there is something called post-traumatic growth, and and it's um, and again it's it's um, this well documented that when we go through stressful situations we grow quite dramatically afterwards. Most people will experience it um, we don't always attribute it to the stress that we go through, but when they look at it through a clinical lens, they do. And, you know, I, it's one of the things that, you know, one of the side effects of the work that I do, I, you know, as a speaker's coach and I work with, you know, sort of experts and, and, you know, scientists, academics, technologists, I work with really, really smart people. I get to, I get to see a lot of this stuff behind the scenes because I'm working with the people doing it. And, uh-huh. um, and, and another piece that's coming up of the research on stress is this concept of micro-breaking. And I'm not sure if you're familiar mm. with that either, but it's something that's actually showing, and, and many companies are beginning to adopt this, um, is the concept of these micro-breaks, which are, are breaks that are um, no more than like three to five minutes in duration. But when done consistently throughout a day, we, there's like there's like up to, I think, a 25% boost in productivity um, Mm. and, and a lowering of stress and why like the micro breaks in the, in, and even within it. So one of my, one of my clients, um, she studies this, her name is Mary Donahue and she's, um, what they're finding is that when they look at the types of micro breaks, it depends on the type of stress. So if you're having, you know, sort of the stress of overwhelm, it might mean that you need to get up and move your body. And so maybe it's Mm -hmm. just getting up, going out and walking around for five minutes and then coming back Um, but not having your phone because you need to be away from the screens you need to be completely away from the thing that's bringing you the stress Um, for other people it for me one of the biggest things that i use as a micro break and i actually use it a lot is something that's called binaural music which works with your brain um and i love it brain massage yeah 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 (laughs) Um, I've actually gone to a brain massage in, uh, in Amsterdam. They have, they have places you go and you sit in these chairs and they put headphones on you and, and, uh, the headphones are connected not only to the chair that to your, to the music, but they're also connected to the chair. And so literally Ooh. you, it you, you go into literally a full isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, they, this crazy music plays and the chair actually moves in certain ways. And there's certain like um, sensations that happen in the chair that boost the depth of, of the, of the uh, meditation that you the it's pretty phenomenal. Wow. It's yeah, like, it's phenomenal. And you're like, you're in this little chamber for about, I think it's like 30 minutes. And um, I know for me, it was like, she came and got me. I'm like, I was like five minutes. it was like, no, that was a full 30 minutes. You're just, you're gone. Like you're just, you know, completely gone, but micro breaking, you know, is something and it is a thing. Um, and there are, you know, platforms out there that will support it. Yeah.
1: How about this? How about we bring, uh, the brain massage to Canada? What do you think? Oh, we'll honestly,
0: I, when I, I came out of that one, it was, that was last November. I, I was, I was teaching a course in November, in, uh, in Amsterdam. And afterwards yeah. there was a bunch of us and they were going for brain massage. I'm like, I want a brain massage. And so they brought me along and I saw this and I'm like, how do I get this to Canada? How, how do I figure this out? This is right. this is cool.
1: We'll talk about it after the, after the recording. um, <laughs> um yeah, it's. Yeah, it's incredibly important. I, I, I used to use the Promodoro timer for that. So uh, what I would try to do is try to do 25 minutes okay. of work and then five minutes no. The problem with the problem with that is, is I don't feel 25 minutes is enough for me to, to, to do something. It cuts me off I in agree. the middle of my flow. Um, so I try to play around with it and I couldn't find the right timing. Um, but you do need a I,
0: break, especially just getting up. You- just getting up. That's the thing for me. I don't, I'm like you, like I, I need, I actually am good. I can usually do about two hours of solid, like just good work. Um, especially if I'm in a flow state, but, Mm -hmm. um, but what I, and so what I do, I, I start to notice my own. Um, so it'll be like, Oh, I could use a coffee right now, or I need, and I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. What do I really need? And what you really need here's the thing that I've learned again, working as a brain scientist, and in, you know, I discovered that I, I have ADHD. I only discovered that last year, had no idea, mm-hmm. um, and have gone on to understand a whole lot about neurodiversity and whether you're neurodiverse or not, the reality is we all crave dopamine. Okay. That's what our brain wants. And so yeah. when, when we're in those moments of, of, transition, right? So like you've been in flow state for a couple of hours and really about two hours is the longest that most people can stay in a flow state um, because it actually starts to tax the body. Um, and so, what will happen is you'll start to come out of it, but you're trying to stay in it because it, it feels good, right?
1: You want to work, to so keep going. Yeah, yeah.
0: You want to keep going, and so what you what you, you what you start to notice in that moment is your body doing things that are looking for a new way to get dopamine because that's actually what your body wants. It's actually what your brain wants. And so, if you start to notice, oh, like I'm getting fidgety. Or um, I, I'm I'm starting to check my email more often than I normally would, or whatever. Yeah. That's an indicator to you that you actually need a break. Um, and so then it's like, okay, what's the what's the most efficient way for me to get a hit of dopamine right now? Because that's what you really want, and that's what a micro break is. It's like being efficient at getting a good hit of dopamine that will allow you to come back and go back into either that flow state or whatever your next your next state is.
1: Okay, we're, we're we're coming we're coming towards the end, and one of the questions I like I like asking is if there's anything you'd like if you had a time machine to go back, however many years uh, you know, what would you say to yourself? What would you say to yourself to kind of help you in the journey and and
0: I think you know, and I don't know where I would go back to. You know, I think that's the harder part. Is at what point could I hear it? Because I think this is always the challenge. <laughs> but if I were to tell that's my a good one. Yeah, if I were to tell my younger self something that I think is is powerful, you know, because I've only just found out I'm neurodiverse and I can now mm-hmm. see how my neurodiversity impacted my career all the way through. I think I would go back to to my younger self and let her know that, you know, the way in which you think is different your brain is wired differently. And because mm-hmm. it is, people don't understand you. And and when you start to understand your own differences as a neurodiverse person, mm-hmm. it'll help you help others understand you. So there's nothing wrong with you. It's not about being wrong. You're simply different. Different, And when you understand and accept that you're different and you lean into those differences, that's where the strength comes. Because that is always true. Our differences are actually our most powerful connection points. But it's the thing that we're most afraid of.
1: What I've really liked that's happened in the past couple of years is that um, recognizing that being different isn't a bad thing.
0: I was that kid that was, was different. And, and, and I always wanted to be different I never wanted to fit in, but it made life hard. And that was the thing that I think for me, because I never, I mean, I think on some level, I always felt I was different. So therefore I kind of leaned into it, but what I didn't understand was why didn't people appreciate that? And you know, I see that now, I can, I can now look back and go, oh, that was the thing. I just wanted people to accept me for the different person I was. Right. Um, and I couldn't imagine why they didn't. And now that I understand my neurodiversity, I understand that that's actually a function of my neurodiversity. Because what we don't have as neurodiverse people is the wiring to be able to see those social cues.
1: I love these types of stories not, not like, just because it, you, you get to you get to see how somebody just grows into who they become uh despite all the diversity that they went through and all the hardships that they went through and uh you know seeing somebody like you being successful is is, is great regardless of you know potential hardships right now for everybody else who's listening um, uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sea sweet and Sour. If you found anything particularly interesting that you feel your colleagues may enjoy, don't be shy. Sharing is caring. Uh, I also remind everybody that we have a limited time promo for 10% off your first year of Align. Uh, the code is not sour 10. So go to aligntoday.com slash demo. Uh, be sure to stay tuned and sign up for notifications on your favorite podcast platform on today.com slash podcast. We have plenty of incredible guests just like Andrea. Andrea, if for all those out there that wanna contact you, uh, anything you want to push, push, promote, uh, now's the perfect time.
0: Sure. So if you're not already following me on LinkedIn, please do. I'm incredibly active there. I do a lot of posting. Also, if you are interested in um, becoming a thought leader, if you are an aspiring thought leader and especially if you see yourself as a little bit different, or maybe falling into a diverse, um, a, a diverse, you know, community. Uh, look into our thought leader Academy we just launched it it's on my uh, my LinkedIn profile um, and it is designed to help aspiring thought leaders step into their voice by helping them to clarify their message to build their community and to create a brand that connects with people um, we do that through coaching through training and through community support so um, the thought leader Academy is open for enrollment right now um, and we would love to have you as part of our team. Um, Looking forward to meeting you all and seeing you on LinkedIn. Love it. On that note, like I always say, uh,
1: let's get shit done. Have a good day, everyone. Thanks so much.